0: Hey everyone, welcome to Acquisitions Anonymous, the internet's number one podcast on buying, selling, and operating small businesses. I am one of your hosts, Bill D'Alessandro, and today I am with Heather and Michael, and we talk about a really interesting deal that none of us wanna own, but we love the business. Um, it is, uh, its end market is prisons. So really great market dynamics, really tough to talk about at a cocktail party. Uh, this is a bigger deal from Axial, Uh, It's growing 45% year over year. It's 40 years old. Super cool deal. I think you'll really enjoy this episode of Acquisitions Anonymous.
1: Our sponsor for today is Rejig, a platform that is built for searchers who want to meet directly with small business owners. They have an in-house team doing outreach, finding owners who are excited to meet with people ready to buy their companies. Searchers join their platform and often have five to 10 meetings scheduled directly with owners for the very next week. Learn more about Rejig's model at... Rejig.com slash AA. And again, that's r e j i g dot com AA. And Rejig does the calling. You do the closing. Yes, you're in charge, Bill.
0: I'm in charge. Here we go. All right. Everybody touch your head. Uh, Here we go. I'm in charge. Okay. Welcome to another episode of Acquisitions Anonymous. Uh, This is our second one today and it's Friday, so I'm a little bit punchy, Uh, (laughs) which is good because we have a very lighthearted deal today. Uh, It is a manufacturer of locking devices for prisons. Uh, So super lighthearted, but but really interesting. So this one is uh, from our friends at Axial. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with Axial, uh, they're kind of a two-sided marketplace for buyers and brokers. Um, a little bit different, though, than places like BizBuySell because uh, everything on Axial, almost everything on Axial, has a sell-side representative and also they're a little bit bigger deals. Um, so if you're looking for bigger deals, Axial is a great place to go. We found some really fun ones on there, so we, uh, we're doing some more digging in the Axial platform. Oh, I was going to say, Bill, I also like that they curate both sides
1: of the stuff, whereas like, let's say any of the other listing sites, like anybody could put anything on there if you pay the fee and anybody can look at the deals, like actually at least like manages the marketplace much better to where like, if you're a seller, you have a better chance of getting high quality folks. And then as a buyer, like I know I don't have to like shift through like, you know, some scamming oil royalty stuff, which by the way, shows up on other sites. So
2: I'm working on a couple of live deals with Axial Buyers right now, um, helping them place their debt. And what's also interesting, and actually one of them's bigger and one of them's smaller, so there are even some small deals there still. Um, but what's interesting is you can uh, roll the the fees, the deal fees, into the loan. So um, we're we're doing that on a couple of Axial deals, which is nice.
0: Oh, cool! That's nice. Um, okay, do you want to get into it? Uh, yeah, I will sure. share it. Okay, so this is the company manufactures and services locking devices for prisons and jails. It is a 45-year-old business um, locking devices and security electronics used in more than 1,500 jails and prisons, primarily in the United States. So no Russian gulags here. Uh, The company has built an outstanding (laughs) reputation for its unique (laughs) and different...
1: That took a wrong turn really fast, Bill.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, some people don't want to be in the Russian gulags business. Yeah, you know, I know it's probably okay with you, Michael, but. Okay. <laughs> okay, please continue, sir. So, in theory, these are, these are uh, you know, people jailed for uh, lawful reasons, I guess. Uh, so, the company, the company has built an outstanding reputation for its unique and differentiated ability to address complex and differentiated customer needs with their highly experienced engineering solutions. The company's product mix used primarily in retrofit jail construction can meet any design or security need for sliding or swinging doors. Um, so that's what they do. They're located in the East South Central, which sounds like a neighborhood in the Bronx, the East South Central United States, which is Kentucky, Tennessee, and Mississippi, or Alabama. Um, and here are the financials. It goes from 6.5 million in sales and 1.7 of EBITDA in 2019, uh, very smoothly, uh, to about 12 million in sales and 3.4 million in EBITDA in 2022. Um, So, kind of really smooth growth 5%, 24%, actually 43%. So, accelerating growth. uh, And their EBITDA margin hovers around 28, 29%. So, Heather and Michael, what do you guys think? There's, there's something that I hate about this business, but also why
1: I think it makes a good investment. And to me, this business totally fails the cocktail party test, which is there's a lot of people that would not be proud to go and say at a cocktail party, like, I'm a major supplier of locks for prisons. I mean, because the reality is, like, America, for sure, like, we have an incredibly high incarcerated, you know, um, Population, like it's it's inequitable, like it's pretty messed up. Like private prisons, all that kind of stuff. The drug war, like bad bad stuff, right? Like it's pretty screwed up. And like so so that is a something where I think a big percentage of buyers and and I, I was thinking about as you're reading this, I was like, do I want it? Would I want to be in this business? Is this something where you know, like they write my obituary and they're going to be like, Michael, you know, he owned different companies coding school, fireworks business, real estate, you know, started software companies and created tech jobs in San Antonio, also supplied prisons. Like, I'm not sure, you know, that that's like what I'm looking for on the old, you know, regret, regret minimization framework. But I think that presents like a huge amount of opportunity with a business like this, where are just like, it doesn't pass it, it, it fails the distasteful, you know, test for potential buyer. And, you know, So now the capitalist to me is like, well, you know, you can make money. (laughs) So that's, that's the, that's where my two faced, two headed mind is on this deal, but that's
0: immediately where my head went. So you're saying it, it cuts the buyer universe, right? So if you're willing to buy this, like there's be opportunity here, but you
1: are profiting from a system that is overbuilding prisons, has too many people in prisons is inequitable. Uh, and you're making money and living off of that, right? That's So That's the so. it cuts the buyer universe for sure um, in terms of that stuff. Now, could you justify that? I mean, people justify a lot of stuff. Like the Sacklers have justified selling opioids like crazy and I'm sure they sleep well at night because they figured out how the mental gymnastics to, to feel good about themselves. Um, but like it presents a problem and an opportunity here, I think.
2: I feel like it's a private equities kind of deal. And I don't know that they have that ethos as much in those private equity funds, you know, but you're right. It's going to, it's going to eliminate some of them. But I think, um, at this level, probably a, a pretty high degree of interest. I I'm more interested in how, what is the growth cycle? What, what was driving it? And where is it going and where can it go? Because are these retrofitting existing prisons who are, you know, or is this new build, uh, you know, um, new prisons I, i'd really be interested in that I'd, and i'd really be interested in what kinds of uh, you know contracts they have um once you install these locks are there maintenance um contracts that would be interesting it, much more so than just installing the products because um, if it's just products installation that's project revenue and that probably goes away at some point um, depending on what's going Adam, on here. You want
0: that sweet, sweet recurring revenue, don't you?
2: <laughs> I want that so bad. That is what I like.
0: <laughs> it is. Uh,
2: I, well, I've been brainwashed by the, by the lending community.
1: So it does, I mean, and I think that's a great point. Like, I would encourage listeners, like when you hear things like people, like the lending community, for example, to some extent, irrationally loving recurring revenue and hating project-based revenue or hating recurring revenue that's where you're like, oh, like they're zigging. I need to consider zagging. Like you can see that now. Like, um, like vertical market software, right? Everybody and their mother and grandmother has decided they want to buy vertical market software now. But if it's slightly not vertical market software, like their heads explode. Um, so, like that creates. That's where you're like, okay, if everybody else is zigging, like as an investor or a potential buyer, like it's time to go a different direction. So, well,
0: anyway, okay, the good news what you're is. Saying. Saying. Is that like all the SaaS recurring revenue stuff gets really in favor and everybody wants that and it blows up the multiples. But that means like the other stuff goes really out of favor and you might be able to get great deals because these people are just philosophically the herd followers. They're like, oh, it's project revenue. I'm out. But like maybe it's a very high quality business and they can't see past the fad.
1: So, okay. So here's this thing that happens as I've gotten involved and exposed to the professional private equity industry. I've learned some stuff. Number one, those guys all chat like crazy. They are the gossipiest stuff. So if you show a deal to one of them, like you can pretty much assume everybody else is going to know it exists. You might as well just like get get past it because they're all gossiping like crazy. Um, But the second thing is like, they are much more interested in how they look than what the real opportunities are. And so let me explain that a bit. If somebody, for example, goes into a space as private equity as a fund, they do a deal there and they get burned and it's a very high profile burn. Everybody else is suddenly terrified of that space irrationally, because they have a huge principal agent problem, which is they're not going to be able to raise future funds if they go just repeat the if they go do the same thing the previous people did. If they if it works out, great for them, perfect. But if that deal goes bad again, like the the everybody will just be like, those guys are morons. Why are they doing that? Everybody knew that didn't work. So it's like all reputational risk for them. So you'll see this natural dynamic because of that thing where they're so interested in making sure they raise their next fund and look good amongst their peers and more importantly, the potential LPs that they will just ignore very juicy spaces. They'll just be like, oh, we're not even going to get, you know, Fund 2 from BlackRock got murdered in that that deal. So we're not going to do that space ever again. And everybody just stays away from it. And so it creates opportunities there.
0: I know I have friends in private equity, right? But, but like it is the most trend following nobody gets fired for buying IBM. Like, you know, everybody talks, no one actually has original thoughts, but all pretend they have original thoughts. It is the most groupthink industry I have ever seen. Yeah. So groupthink, which creates huge opportunities if you can actually be an independent thinker. And I intentionally did not say contrarian, but if you can actually be an independent thinker. Uh, the huge private equity opportunities. All right. Taking a quick pause here, I have something to tell you. This is Michael.
1: I hate bookkeeping. I hate bookkeeping. I hate doing HR. I hate doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, but for bookkeeping, I have found a solution. It is um my friend Charlie's business called cloudbookkeeping.com. So that's cloudbookkeeping.com. Uh, they are your perfect partner if you want to get bookkeeping out of your hair and focus on making your company your customers happier and more successful so um, please give them a call call charlie cloudbookkeeping.com tell them we sent you uh, they're a great way if you're a business buyer if you're a business owner you're tired of hassling uh, with getting your bookkeeping done he's got a whole fleet of people that are well trained and work for him uh, he's located here in san antonio so i can tell you because of that he's awesome And uh, they're a great partner for you to potentially call to help with all your bookkeeping needs so you can do the important stuff in your business uh, rather than worry about getting your books right. So uh, give Charlie a call, cloudbookkeeping.com. And now back to the episode. So my thesis, by the way, is they are that way because that's what the LPs want. The investors from the endowments, they don't want to get fired for doing anything but IBM. So that's why you see these funds that are like, They're these weird family office hybrids where you have some scion of like a big family office who made a lot of money doing something. And he's like, congratulations, you guys are my captive fund management team. Here's a hundred million dollars. Go take some risks. And they're the ones that'll go actually go do those reputational risk deals. Um, So if you see, if you end up with one of those deals, you go to those type of groups. You don't go to classic, like I got my money from the university endowment PE, because they're never going to do those kind of oddball deals.
0: Yeah. And. So really, it's not so much just being an independent thinker, it's being able to find a capital source that is an independent thinker and will back you. Um, and I, I have to give a shout out to our mutual friend, Brent Bishore uh, and the permanent Equity guys, because that's exactly what they did, right? Like they had a very different fund model where they wanted to buy and hold forever. They didn't want to do the five to seven year fix and flip. Um, and he was and Brent was a new manager. Right, he'd never run external capital before, and he had to scrape and claw because he had a different model, and he was new. And they've been wildly successful. I, I mean, I think Brent is totally brilliant, but like if you ever talk to him, like the mountain that he had to crawl and scratch up because he was trying to do different types of deals, and so he needed different-minded capital to do that. So check check out the Permanent Podcast or or Brent if you want to see an example of how hard this is to do uh, and somebody doing it right.
2: Yeah, and I would say banks have the same kind of issue. Going on. If if you talk to a bank uh, that will stay away from a certain industry, it's not like they got slaughtered in that industry. It's that they lost money on one loan a lot of times. That's the story. You know, there's this one you know time back ten years ago, and this guy. You know, or, or lenders will carry that story with them to the next bank, and it's usually just one scar, and then that's it. They they write off the whole industry and or that characteristic or whatever it might be is very irrational.
0: 100%. To your point. You see in private yeah. equity firms or venture for, oh venture firms also too like one partner got killed in one deal and it's like oh well that firm won't invest in my deal don't even call them they lost money in pet supplements one time. Uh, it it's is crazy. it is
1: it is fascinating, you know, you see people playing this venture capital game where it is basically just like you'll sit down and talk to the partners and then you realize like it is just high school. Like they are just doing an adult version of high school with other people's money. And like, they'll sit there and they'll be like, okay, well, um, you know, what I've heard is this over thing, this thing over here, this is super hot. Have you heard about this AI thing, whatever, this company, blah, blah. And you'll, you'll realize like, you're talking to them for 20 minutes about how hot this company is or this sector is or whatever. And they've never actually explained to you what the company does. And you're like, wait, does it, is this real? Who cares? Because all you're doing is figuring out what the people in the previous round thought was hot what's going to be hot for your stage and then what you can sell to the next chumps down the road who are going to think that's hot. And then those guys are hoping eventually they can sell it to the public markets because it'll still be hot by that point. It's just like high school. And guess what? I hated high school. It sucked.
0: <laughs> like it sucked. Yeah. But at the same time, like it works for a lot of these funds, you know, like if you can be a fast, yeah. fund, like there's a whole category of funds who like, if you were to like really dig in, like what is your competitive advantage? We have awesome deal flow and we're really good fast followers and we're really good at dumping on the next guy. Like that is actually a repeatable strategy. They'll never say out loud, but it is. Uh, dude, It's you just diagnosed the an,
1: entire Andreessen Horowitz strategy, which is pay the most for the hottest deals possible and that's it and put more money into the other people. That's their entire, their foodles of it, money, foodles yeah. doing yeah. it, which is interesting because it's like, it shows how smart Andreessen and those guys are because like, like nobody else truly understood that before Andreessen and Horowitz like showed up. Like like everybody was playing that game and like you would talk to the different like top tier venture funds and they never really understood, oh, I could just put this turn this up to 11 and like crush everybody. <laughs> and they never did. And Andreessen Horowitz was like, "Well, we're just going to come in, we're going to spinal tap this and turn it up to 11 and like we're going to win all the deals." And that's what they do.
0: So I think it's funny that a manufacturer of locking devices for prisons took us down this side path. So I'm gonna rail. Yeah, back, reel, to prison, back, back to prison. Back to prison. Back to prison. We're gonna put put Michael back in the prison box. Uh this conversation back in the <laughs> prison box.
1: I, I wanna own this business, but I don't. That's the I don't, trouble. Like, at,
0: So, so this business, I mean, like all the things, Michael, you said about the stuff that's wrong with the prison system in the United States are true, but all of those things are massive tailwinds for this business, right? I mean, like the, the end market tailwinds for this business are phenomenal. Uh, and I mean, if you just look at this, it's revenue goes from 6 million in 2019 to 12 million in 2022, it's growth rate is accelerating from 5% to 24% to 43%. Uh, it's probably, uh, you know, it, there is project work here, right? Cause they talk about their differentiated ability, their engineering solutions. Like these are, you know, this is almost like a subcontractor or like you're doing this by project for sure. Like there's engineers on staff, et cetera, but that's also a moat. And in this industry too, like the more jails you do, the more jails you do, right? It's like, you're proven you've done a bunch, like they because just like the private equity guys, the people who retrofit jails also talk like, oh, what did the other county do? You know, and it works good for them. And they use your your locking things. And if you could graft on, you know, it does say that there's electronics involved in here. If you could graft on maintenance or some sort of SaaS contract onto these things, oh boy, the, the dynamics of this business could be exceedingly good. Uh, this, uh,
1: this definitely has like a trans dime style opportunity, which is, you know, you guys are familiar with trans dime. Have you done any of this stuff there? One Um, of the
0: original industrial rollups,
1: right? So they, well, they actually, it's, uh, there's a great podcast. that comes from, uh, Patrick Osanis, Colossus stuff. They did it with the guy who wrote the book, the outsiders. And, um, and so basically they went through and did the whole saga of trans dime, which is actually one of the most successful rollups ups in the history of private equity and actually went through subsequent private equity firms and then went public and then kept going. So it's like Transdime, Constellation, Roper, all these serial acquires. And so Transdime is one of those, but like Transdime is actually, you know, I think it's an $80 billion business or something right now. It is is a business that is totally built on a single insight, which is that uh, people who buy airplane parts want to buy the best airplane part possible Uh, because it's not worth crashing your plane over saving 20 cents on a $2 part. That's the entire, that is the entire business model. And so what they would do is they would go in and they would go buy these um, airplane part manufacturers. And there might be one or maybe two that make the entire part. And then they would go in and they would generally raise the prices a little bit on uh, on the new part purchase. But then where they would make their real money is they would go into the replacement part price catalog and everything would go up through the roof and that maintenance and all the repairs and all that kind of stuff like for to replacement parts they they would hammer hammer the customers and margins would go through the roof they run the business a little more efficiently and all that kind of stuff and they talk about that but it was basically like oh the insight is that a business like this prison lock business most almost always the owners have been so focused on making margin at the upfront purchase that they forget about the repair and maintenance opportunity on the back end. And you have so much pricing power that you don't even really know about. And that's the whole trans dam idea. And I think that's a thesis I would have looking at this deal is, oh, could I double my margins by just getting a fair price for repair
0: and maintenance and replacement parts? I, be- I bet you, you could. I bet think you. Think about, this is like the only thing you want to not fail in the jail. This is the airplane part (laughs) of the jail, right? It's the, it's the locks. (laughs) Like that's the whole thing. This is the whole jail. Otherwise it's a hotel, right? right? I mean, this, this is the only thing that makes it a jail.
2: (laughs) I have, I have a neighbor friend who works in the jails. Uh, and there it's a husband and wife that are in law enforcement and she's told me her stories. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely, you want your locks working. Absolutely. It's pretty scary.
0: Yes. So like will you pay the most for the best lock that is definitely going to work? And then will you pay the maintenance repair on it to make sure the locks keep working? That is the last uh, service contract you are going to cut when there are budget cuts.
2: I just want to defend my uh, lender brainwashing because you guys came back around to repair and maintenance too.
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <Undercoming> <laughs> bombs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true though, right? I mean, it's a, a great right. business. It's a great business. So, yeah. All right. So, we we like it from an intellectual point of view, though it would be difficult or maybe difficult for some people to justify owning personally. Okay. okay. Let me pitch you on this. Let me pitch you on this. Instead of the warm farm, we make this deal number
1: one for the Acquisitions and I was podcast. But here's how it's a win win because there's four of us involved, then we're actually just part of a partnership that happens to own. There you go. A jail supplier. And we don't actually own the jail supplier. So then we like get a, we get air cover there and we get good radio and we maybe get canceled.
2: Yeah. And we complain about, it's really Michael's jail thing. It wasn't mine.
0: Yeah. well, You know, the, it's going to be really tough for mills because he's going to have to go be the CEO on site, you know, like in the jail. So it's going to be tough for mills, but it'll be fine for us. (laughs) (laughs) Look, he can fix their roof and then he fixed their locks synergy. I mean, Let's let's be real. If you Mills is on today, so we're gonna pick on it. Like if you line the four of us up and you're like, who's the last one that's gonna get murdered in a jail? It's definitely Mills, right? Like that. Like all three of us are gonna last for mere seconds, and like Mills might make it. Like you know, it's four years later and he's become one of them. You know, like, his I'm beard like is down. To bigger button. than all of you guys. <laughs> Give me a
2: break here. <laughs> yeah, Michael would do okay, right? Do all right. Yeah. why would oh. they?
0: Nobody messes with me. I'm huge. You are big, that's true, but uh, the facial hair is sorely lacking as compared to Mills, (laughs) right? (laughs) I mean, mine as well, like all of us. No one touches the Mills beard. This is a
1: fun deal. I like this deal. There's a lot to like about this deal in terms of just, it smells like opportunity. So hopefully somebody goes to do it, given we're evidently not, because we wouldn't want to talk about it at a cocktail party. But uh, Someone's going to buy this. (laughs) Private equity is going to
0: buy this for a big number. That's what I think. Yep. Yeah. That's All right. Good little business. Let's wrap it up. That was a cool one. Good discussion. Uh, Happy Friday to everybody. This is probably coming on Tuesday or something, but vicariously happy Friday, whatever day of the week you're listening to this on. Uh, And we will see you on the next episode of Acquisitions Anonymous.